Hey guys, and welcome to episode six of the Surf Coast Creatives Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Hucker, with me, hostess for the most desk, Jess, as always. Welcome, Jess. G'day, Ben. Thanks for having me. Good to have you here, as always. Now, season two, as I didn't mention at the start, but episode number six, got a huge guest on the podcast today. He's actually, we're doing this online today, so the first time we've hooked up online for a podcast interview, but such is the busy schedule of our guest today. Please welcome Jake Ross from Jake Ross Art. Hey, Ben and Jess, how are you? Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on the, on the pod today. really appreciate your time. Yeah, I'm absolutely mind-blown that you want to chat. Yeah, we had a look at your profile. I reckon I saw your profile earlier in the year, and I was just blown away by um, some of your illustrations and artwork. And it was actually, I reckon it was part of the inspiration for the podcast was, you know, being able to chat with people like yourself and hear your full story. So just for our listeners out there, you've got a massive social profile and social following. You know, there's a perception that social influencers out there are just chicks in bikinis and whatnot, but... You, uh, you yourself have got a massive profile. It's built on the quality of your work and your talent as an artist. Do you want to give us a quick rundown of exactly what you do? Yeah, I'll probably lose a lot of followers if I throw up a bikini photo. Um, <laughs> oh, man, Kenny. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I paint and illustrate a lot of my experiences through skulls and um, the boldness of a monochrome line mixed with warm colours. Um so it's kind of these two worlds fighting and colliding, and they they end up being pretty uh, married pretty well. So yeah. opposites attract. Yeah, it's got that sort of beachy, light and bright sort of feel mixed in with the skulls. What's the inspiration for the skulls? Well, the inspiration for the skulls is um, behind everything that we carry. Um, all of us are just a skull. Um, so it's kind of a skull is gender removed, um, racial removed, um, all the outskirts and something that really combines all of us. And a lot of my experiences growing up and the job that I had before, I uh, was lucky enough to call myself an artist, was brushing with death all the time. Um, mm-hmm. and we'll touch into that a little bit later, but um, it's kind of this welcoming thought of death. Uh, not being afraid of it um, and kind of more a uh, mixing those soft colours is more me saying it's the the carefree attitude towards the afterlife. Yeah, it's a cool interpretation. So it's a bit of that, you know, that beachy sort of Californian surf coast sort of feel about it. Is that generally where, where your audience is? Yeah, a lot of my audience are Californian, uh, Mexican, um, through the West Coast, a lot of, uh, West Coast America and South America, and a lot of, uh, surprisingly, through Brazil. Um, but then also it's kind of attracting, um, say, my target audience is me, um, so it's also attracting a lot of the surf community around Australia. Yeah, cool. And speaking of coast, you're a you're a coastal born and bred. So you grew up in Phillip Island, is that right? Yeah, I grew up over in the island, um, close to the island, and then moved up to Sydney for around eight years, um, which was just kind of a base um, to travel out of, and then moved down to the surf coast for the last two years. But I've been travelling to the surf coast ever ever since I was a kid, surfing Winky and Bells. 
Yeah, good good segue into surfing, one of my favourite subjects. So, <laughs> uh, keen surfer. So you you travelled over here as a kid, as a teenager, to surf bells and winky. Yeah, all the time, a little bit too much, and junk. Um, I think the first time I ever jumped in um, the water was in Torquay. Um, I think at school we had a, a school excursion, um, and the teacher yeah. was a pretty pretty keen surfer, and he chucked us all in the um all in the water down at Torquay. I just remember chucking on the wet wetsuit for the first time and absolutely hated it. And um, <laughs> I was like, what are we doing here? I was a football boy. I was like, um, what are we doing here in the cold down at Torquay surfing? And then caught the first wave and fell in love. That was probably about yeah. um, 16 years ago. All right. So you're actually probably mid-teens when you're yeah. early teens. Yeah, yeah. always um, swimming down at the beaches. Um, but kind of football took over and um, that was our whole life growing up from uh, training or make the um, stingrays team and all like um, and so I was training from like Monday to Friday and then games and Saturday Sunday so there was no time for anything. Is that the Dandenong stingrays? The- yeah Dandenong stingrays are in the, the TAC Cup I think they play the Falcons yeah, they certainly did. The Falcons have had a, a lot of players come through and play for go on and play for the Cats, but yeah, we're playing not in a in a big final, incidentally. So I'm uh, <laughs> so a little bit nervous about tonight's game, actually. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, I haven't I haven't seen a game of football for seven years now. Um, seven years. Yeah, well, I got injured with football, um, and I still really wanted to play, but I couldn't play anymore. Um, and then moving up to uh, Sydney, it was all NRL. Uh, you couldn't get a game of AFL in it um, if you paid the bartender. Yeah. Uh, so it was completely NRL. So it, it's gone back to rugby now. And then, um, I don't know, I'm kind of invested. Uh, if I'm doing something, I'm doing it 100%. So every second chance I get, I'm watching a surf edit. Um, or I'm, I'm, check, I'm on the um, tide coast and checking those. So it's... Um, Cutting an obsession. Yeah. So you're pretty into your fitness um, then? Yeah, yeah. I love my fitness. I had a PT session um, last night and I can't move. Um, <laughs> but That's a sign of a good PT. <laughs> and then, um, but yeah, fitness has always played a huge role within my life um, and health. Um, so I was military for six years um transitioned over to a diver and that's a very um arduous kind of body um so it was fitness has always been and eating healthy has always been such a paramount role with everything i do uh and it it also it makes as weird as as it does sound um painting large murals um you do need to be fit doing that kind of stuff uh or or in those positions where you're uh, painting for nine hours a day, um, yeah. it does take a toll on your body. So I always find that um, having the core strength and the background from surfing, it does help a lot within the art world. And um, fitness is always a great get you out of the blue. Um, so if you start behind the computer screen, there's nothing better than doing a two-hour PT session or going down and surfing for three hours. It gets your mind out of it and completely. I feel fitness is uh, an act where 
your mind is completely at one with what you're doing. It's not thinking about anything else. So it's a kind of meditation state that you're doing fitness. Um, yeah. So yeah, fitness is such a paramount role within within everything you do, I, I believe. Yeah, it's good to hear. And if we can go back to your, your career as a footy player, so Denonong Stingrays, just for our listeners, it's part of the TAC Cup. Is it still called the TAC Cup? I don't know if they played this year, but... Yeah, not sure. Their best junior footballers from Victoria and it's basically a pathway into the AFL and the AFL draft and all the rest. So were you at that level where you were going to get drafted? Yeah, well, I have a twin um, and both of us were um, pretty good at football and we were at that level to get drafted. It was when Gold Coast were coming in to the competition. It was 2009. Um, So a lot of us boys at Stingrays were getting... Um, shipped off to Coolangatta um, to play up there um, and fill numbers for the Gold Coast VFL team. Uh, But as we were getting serious about the draft, um, we had a good mate start coaching at Franks and Dolphins VFL club and uh, both of us decided that we wanted to play for Dolphins instead of go to AFL. Uh, It's kind of like um, playing VFL... TAC Cup um, or your local sport is all about having fun um, and it's all about the beers after the game, where at AFL it's a completely different level, so it's a completely different mind frame. If you're not um, 100% in that mind frame, then you're going to get eaten up and mm-hmm. um, it's kind of a huge, not so much a huge leap, it's more of an awakening. Um, hey, do I want to do this for the rest of my life? And if you're even sitting on the edge of that, then it's probably going to be a bad decision. Yeah. yeah, I can see that it eats up a lot of young kids. I mean, even kids that are super talented. Like, you see so many number one draft picks that just fall by the wayside. A guy like Matthew Cruiser comes to mind. He was number one draft pick and so many hopes and dreams and, like, he's a fairly decent player but probably didn't realise his potential. And there's there's so many stories like that, so much pressure on young guys to perform. There you're 18 years old, mind you. Yeah, yeah, there is. There's so much pressure. Um and not, there's a lot of pressure that you put on yourself, but you, you're not really because you're the only person you, you've kind of saying to yourself, hey, I'm still growing. Um, but you're getting the phone call after every game saying how disappointed um, some people are that you, you aren't doing what you're doing. Um, or you're getting that reminder of how much you're getting paid to play football. Um, and you're always feeling that you're just not good enough yet. Um, so it's kind of, it plays a huge role. And then, also, it has this rock star feel where uh, when we're going into the Cool and Gutter team, um, a lot of we we're going into clubs and a lot of club um, owners were treating you like royalty. So it goes to your head straight away um, that you're a lot better than anyone else. Um, and it does play it does play this role. And if you don't know yourself, you're not going to question, hey, is this life for me? You're going to get sucked in and... Um, sucked out so I was kind of fortunate enough that I got injured um, and then realized hey I'm not the biggest fan of AFL I was just doing it to fit in okay wow so you had that realization yeah it wasn't really about the passion it was just to sort of fit in and yeah yeah well at school um, me and my brother were always the kids that um, were mucking around class clown kind of kids uh, but we're always drawing uh, every chance we got, we always drew. We just sat at home drawing. 
and the only reason we started playing football was to get babes and fit in. Um, <laughs> so it was kind of um, that realisation of uh, is life really just about fitting in or do you really want to do um, what you want to do? Uh, so it, it, I, it, like I said, I was really fortunate that I got injured. It's kind of uh, someone up there hitting me really hard saying this this life isn't for you. Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's a bit of destiny coming in, coming into play. So what what was the injury? What was it that uh, did that end your footy career and that was it? Yeah, I got it in a game. Um, a punch to the back of the head and got a brain bleed. Um, oh. Yeah, so I had to um, head into hospital and um, get that sort of – well, I didn't, I didn't tell anyone that I had the brain bleed um, or even a bump and I was waking up with pillows with um, blood all over the pillows and then uh, blood coming out of the eyes and nose and all the pores when I was sweating. And I remember I was just at training and um, I was running through training and um, kind of just collapsed on the, on the field. And then um, got back up and the trainer came over and she was one of the boys' mums. And um, she was just hugging me and she's like, oh, there's blood coming out of your pores. You've got to go to hospital. And I was like, I'm not because I knew that they would say that I can't play football anymore. Yeah. Uh, and then I was just sitting on the bed and my mum and me were just um, sitting there. The doctor came in and said that um, the brain's enlarged so much that the blood's getting pushed out everywhere. Um by the, the brain scan, it should be that you should be dead um, by the look of this. And oh. he's like, oh, what are you going to be doing um, in, in two years? And I was saying, I'm playing football. I don't care what you say, I'm going to play football. And the doctor was, he was blatantly just saying, look, mate, you're a dickhead. Um, you, you're not going to be playing football. You'd be la- you're lucky to walk right now. Um, so it was kind of like this, like I said, um, God sitting up there just slap me in the face and um, say, hey, mate, um, there's something else out there. Uh, yeah. And how ironic too that your interest in skulls, it actually you actually took a hit, yeah. a heavy hit to the brain on the skull. Yeah, definitely. And it's, it's so funny. Um, football was my whole life and I got injured and it kind of put a stop there. Um, and then decided to jump into the military and got injured in the military and put the stop there too. Um, so it's these two massive injuries that have guided to me, guided me where I am today. And uh, it sucked at the time, but I feel like I'm the luckiest person in the world, not for surviving those injuries, but um, being able to paint and surf for the rest of my life. Yeah, it's, um, we just spoke briefly there about going to the Army. I think you're in the Navy, weren't you? Yeah, in the Navy, yeah. So that that was – did you go to university or anything to study or you went straight to the Navy after oh, your footy Yeah, well, um, I was studying counterterrorism um, at university oh. for, for one year. Um, Realised that um, I kind of wanted to go into the military to explore. Um, and that was only – well, first of all, I wanted to be a intel officer, um, and then um, the fitness played a huge role in it. And I didn't want to sit in an office, um, so I thought, what can I do that um, combines um, a university degree of counterterrorism with fitness? And I thought, hey, I'm going to be um, an intel officer in a commander 
um, crew, Commando's crew, and then um, I also played in the role of I want to be around the water. If I go into the army, I won't be any close to the, any water. There's no bases close to the water. The only base that's close to the water is Sydney, and that's a Navy base. Um, so I thought, hey, I'm going to go in as uh, communications and um, transfer over to a diver. Yeah, cool. So how far did you progress with, with that before another injury? Yeah, I was um, six years. Six years in, six uh, years in the Navy. Yeah, six years in the Navy. And during war training, um, I snapped uh, two vertebrae and tore a disc. Two vertebrae. So that on the surface, that to me sounds like paraplegia. Yeah. How did you apply? Um, it, it was on a diving dive operation, um, and we were just diving a little bit too much and digging trenches um, through the day. Uh, I think the pressure just took took too much. I moved wrong um, to pick up a piece of paper and just fell to the ground, blacked out. Um, and yeah, it was a lot of rehab. Um, it was kind of hard hearing. You snapped your two vertebrae and tore the disc between them. Um, so it was kind of it was kind of hard to do that. And a lot of rehab to um, not so much walk again. I never never lost anything. Um, it was just um, the feeling for about two years after the injury, and the injury only happened around two and a half years ago. Um, right. Yeah, the, it was just two years of if an injury happens to your back. Um, all of your muscles um, protect it like armour. Um, so the most p- painful part of this whole process is um, the muscles all still think it's uh, damaged and because of an annular tear, it's very hard to um, kind of fix an annular tear within a disc. Um, so all the muscles just complete, um, just um, building on one another and it feel like um, someone's just holding you back all the time. And just crushing your back, uh, and over time, sometimes it does. Um, if I'm bending over a weird way, um, my back dust just gives way, and I black out, and um, I wake up on the floor. You black out. You still black out now? Yeah, I've, I've done it probably around five times since the injury, and it's um, so one of them was um, pretty freaky out at um, Noosa and Bongan off Bali. We were surfing shipwrecks, and um, a wave came and um, I hit the reef and I blacked out um, under the water but came to real fast and got sucked out to the channel. Um, and then it was so lucky that a fisherman boat came past and he picked me up on one of the nets and just dragged me back into oh, the boat. Wow. That was super lucky. Um, yeah. You sound like a, a bit like a cat with nine lives or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> comfortable with drawing skulls. Yeah. <laughs> the Bali fisherman must have been pretty happy catching a human fish that day. Yeah, sure, yeah. I was th- th- taken back to the villages and cut me up. <laughs> yeah, that sounds crazy. So an injury with footy, uh, which led you into studies for counter-terrorism. Did you finish your studies with doing that or I didn't progress into studies with counter-terrorism. Um, I went into the military um, and... Uh, I really wanted to test the waters to see if this is the the angle I wanted to go. Um, 
And once getting into the military and finding out that um, you're a number, it didn't really sit well with me. Um, so I went back to university and started with Billy Blue uh, Communication Design. Oh, yeah. They're a private college, aren't they? they they're they well-renowned for design and arts and all the rest, aren't they? So. Yeah, yeah, they're um, excellent. It's um, kind of a small university, um, but it's, it's um, I, I say it all the time, it, when I'm meeting someone that's pretty um, profound in this world, in the creative world, and you ask them where they come from, um, majority of the times they come from Billy Blue. Um, and it's kind of a really cool, um, I, don't, I think Billy Blue are really good with building creatives, standalone creatives. And they're based in Melbourne. I know we have a lot of budding artists that listen in, tune into the podcast. We've interviewed quite a few artists and a few more artists to come in season two. Uh, do you want to give us a quick rundown about the application process and how you go about getting into a college like that? I imagine there's, they're quite selective in terms of who they take. And they are quite selective, um, but they're also extremely open. If you show, um, I suppose it's as easy as going to an open day and talking to the right people. Um, I think to get into Billy Blue is a lot, a lot about networking. Um, so it is going there and talking to someone and making sure that you're interested because Billy Blue want to invest in students that are interested in their pursuit. And it's not really, I get asked this question a lot that um, should I go to Billy Blue if I don't know what I want to do um, or if my style isn't going to be good enough. Um, and I always say, hey, Billy Blue is the foundations of your style. Um, you're going to be sitting in a room of 30 creatives. Um, and design is such a broad word where each of those 30 creatives is going to be doing something else, something completely different. So it's a, it's a great opportunity to throw yourself in and bounce ideas off 30 different creatives. Yeah. So it's more... It sounds like yeah, it's, it's really more... Um, if you want to do Billy Blue, I'm pretty sure they do take um, portfolio. Um, they check out your portfolios. Um, but it's honestly, it's really they want to know that um, you're doing your communication or you're doing your art for the right reasons. Yeah. So not uh, the right reasons being that you're passionate about it. Not Yeah, uh... yeah you're passionate about it. Um, that's the avenue that you really want to test out. Not so much that you really want to do, but something that you're, you're really interested in. Whereabouts are they based? And then the CBD in Melbourne? Yeah, there's one in Melbourne, Brisbane and Sydney. Oh, yeah, cool. So there's a lot of face-to-face -to -face time too, I imagine. So is it possible, say, for an artist to commute talk here to Melbourne? Is that, is that going to be realistic or yeah, better well, off just moving yeah, okay. to Melbourne? Um, I think my first two years at university, um, I studied up in Sydney and I was living up in Mona Vale and it was a two-hour drive to university. Um, and I met a few people coming down to Melbourne um, that were travelling from uh, Ballarat or um, oh, a little bit further out. Um, and it, it is really... Uh, Billy Blue is completely a networking university where 
majority of the classes are all face-to-face -face and it's people like me who are um, lecturing or um, the teacher, you teach as your first point of contact for uh, mentoring. Um, yeah. So it's kind of, Billy Blue is more of a, a foot in the door kind of university yeah. where if you want to be an entrepreneur, um, Billy Blue will help you get the steps and set you up with the right people uh, to make you an entrepreneur. If you want to work in an agency, um, Billy Billy have foundations across the world where they can um, uh, make you guys work. Um, in Paris or San Diego, they have all these connections. Um, so it is, it's a really face-to-face -face university kind of style, but it's neat. I feel, for me personally, I feel the creative world is a real face-to-face situation all the time it's all all about networking creative world yeah yeah it's hard to oh, it's one thing i've noticed with the podcasts it's kind of hard to build sort of mass audience and mass listenership because it is so face-to-face -face and based on human connection yeah. there's only so far you can take it in the sort of digital marketing realms without getting face-to-face -face with people and having good conversations so yeah very niche it is very niche. Um, I believe that uh, within the creative world, you never have clients. You always have friends. Um, so it's about building your friendship. Um, and and networking really isn't, hey, here's my business card. Networking is, hey, you want to go down the street for a beer? Um, you want to go chucking a, chuck a wetsuit and get in the water? And that's how you build your relationships. And say through, I'll use myself as an example. Um, the first job I had when I got out of military was working at Stab Magazine uh, in the creative field there. And I only got that job. That's an absolute dream job. I remember sitting there the first time. Absolutely. Yeah, the first, um, I think the first week, the second day, Mick Fanning came in and <laughs> we were getting ready for Stab in the Dark. Um, so we just finished. Oh, yeah, Yes, we, yeah, definitely. And we, we just finished Geordie and um, Mick Fanning, we were getting ready for his over in Tokyo um, or Japan. Um, and he came in and we were testing out all the boards. And I was just sitting there like, holy, holy shit, I can't believe that <laughs> Mick Fanning is there. Um, and the first interview, um, I think straight after Mick Fanning left, the boss turned to me and said, hey, uh, we need you to go down the street. You're going to be interviewing Mark, Mark Matthews. And I was just completely mind blown. Was, um, I, I honestly um, like Mark Matthews, I um, kind of more than Mick Fanning. Um, Mark Matthews is kind of more mind blowing to me than Mick Fanning, um, the big wave surfing. And yep. um, well, I lived in Maroubra for um, six years, so going to chat to a bra boy was kind of um, <laughs> Pretty fun too, um, and it was completely. I only got that stab job um, surfing out at um, Tamarama. Uh, one of the boys just turned to me and said that, "Hey, um, what do you do for work?" And I said, oh, "I'm a designer." He said, "Come in um, to the office," and I had no idea walking up to the office that it was Stab Magazine, and so I only got that role um, through surfing with some of the boys on the team. 
So you pretty much said right there and then come into the office or you had a look at your profile and some of your work and then said come in or? No, he said, he completely just said come in. Um, yeah. I, um, I think they lost one of their designers to go uh, work at Surfer, um, their competitor. So they're kind of um, a little bit desperate. Um, and then, yeah, so we just came in and said, come in and um, see how you go. We're stabbing a lot of the... Um, company bigger companies um more in our niche stab or working with some of the liquor brands it's not about how good you do work because there's a lot of designers that can do the same job as you and um, a lot of artists that can do the same work as you it's more how you bond um Uh it's more um how you hold a conversation with the same crew you have the same interests um it 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 seriously is and you got to then on job, you're going to get better with your work. Um, and it's important that if you're working in the surf industry, that you're a surfer because you're target group of surfers. So you have to be target group to that. Um, so that, that role with Stab Magazine was completely, um, I surfed with a bunch of boys a few times, um, said I was a designer and got a job there. And then um, the job after Stab was... Um, I was a creative director at uh, Authority Creative, which is a Sydney business that links uh, brands like Gucci um, or Tommy Hilfiger, um, Len Lease, these huge brands with artists and paint through paint large murals through the country and Sydney CBD. Um, and I only had that role because um, the fiance at the time was. Uh, she was working as a marketer um, and a guy came in and he was talking about art and she was like, you got to meet um, my boyfriend. So and me, him and I met over a beer and after that beer I came through as a creative director for that agency. And that was there cool. There you go. So that's a pretty, like, <laughs> it's not your typical art by the sounds. Like for a stab magazine, was it the editor that just stumbled across you in the surf? Yeah, it was a copywriter. Um, copywriter. Chief copywriter um, was out surfing. But, um, yeah, and a couple other boys, I think all those boys, there's only a, in the, um, Australia, there's only a, um, a team of six. Um, okay. Stab Magazine, the majority of them are over in California. Yeah, you forget how much of a skeleton staff they have, some of those surf magazines. They, like, they give the impression that they're an army of 100 people, you know, creatives, photographers, copywriters, writers editors but you know they when it comes down to it a national publication like stab is you know as you said six people so yeah yeah it is and they're um that's kind of mind-blowing to me um because i I went in there with the intentions that there's a chinese sweatshop out the back uh, (laughs) of making these publications um and then i came in and um there was six of them and they all look like me i was like uh, (laughs) surely these larrikans aren't, aren't behind um, <laughs> like stab. um but then you, you're meeting the um mick fannings you're meeting the harry bryants and um chipper wilson's and dion agerson um you're kind of thinking hey these guys are just good at surfing they're exactly like us exactly and that's how um stab built their foundation um their target audience is their workers and their workers are just being complete with themselves yeah, it actually reminds me of um, the philosophy of Rip Curl, another Torquay icon. 
I'd say you pretty much have to be a surfer or have some sort of interest in surfing and lifestyle and outdoor adventure to get a job there, similar to Patagonia as well. They'll take a, an experienced rock climber over an experienced, say, copywriter yeah. from the city any day of the week. So, yeah, that's interesting. If we can just fill in that gap between your injury with the Navy, so how long are you out of action with that and how did you get out of the Navy? Because I know it's not it's it's not easy getting out of an institution like the Navy. So how did you go about all that? Yeah, it's very hard to get out of the Navy. Um, I got injured and as soon as I got injured, I got um, medevaced out of where we were and straight to rehab. Um, and the rehab took around nine months. Um, and then they kind of make this decision if you're getting better. Um, well, let's be honest. If you're injured in the military, you're a broken asset. Your number's been broken. Um, so there's no use for you. Um, and we made that decision to say, um, can you sit in an office and work behind a computer for us? Or is he not going to get better and we're just going to keep paying him? Is he going to be on a steady pay, payroll? Um, so the Navy and myself came to that conclusion that um, I wasn't getting better anytime soon. And um, I was really unreliable because I was having these blackouts or um, some days I couldn't move from bed. Um, so it was an unreliable decision. And so the Navy um, said to me that we're going to um, discharge you um, from medical discharge. Um, and that process was extremely quick. It was probably about two weeks um, coming from nine months of rehab, not knowing what you're doing um, to a two-week decision. Um, and it and it really is like, um, shit, you've been doing this for the rest of your whole life. Now um, you've been thrown to the sidewalk and I have no idea what I'm going to be doing. Um, it was a really scary feeling. Um, but the Navy are really good with if they won't let you go um, if you have no idea. If you want to go to university um, when you've been injured, the Navy will help you do that. If you want to go work for another corporation, the Navy will help you with the, the right skill sets. Um, so that it's, a, it's a good institution um, to be injured in. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah. Well, they don't let, don't let you lose basically until you've got a plan. Yeah, exactly right. And even if you have a plan, they do checkups, um, like monthly um, checkups to see if you're on the right path, if you need help. Um, and a lot of, well, because you get employed, uh, deployed all the time, um, there's a lot of PTSD um, checkups as well. So they're, they're always calling, um, not so much, not me anymore, um, but initially when you when you be t become discharged, um, they're always calling and checking to make sure you're as well. Did you actually get called up to any warfare or was it more six years of training and education? And No, it was um, only one year of training, um, a little less, and then the rest of that um, I was on missions. Yeah. Wow. And you made it right through to you were training for the – Navy Special Forces when the injury happened. So. Yeah, yeah, I was training in, uh, to become a diver. Yep. Yeah. So getting back to the ocean again. Yeah. So I imagine nine months rehab. I imagine there's a fair bit of soul searching going on during that time. So 
if we can get into the details of your passion for illustration, I'm fascinated too that your twin is into illustration as well. Yeah, well, he was um, in a um, bit of a blind spot, and I told him because he's a, he's a really good drawer. Um, I kind of inspired him to take the leap into uh, the illustration world. Um, but my passion came from so I was a creative director at this agency um, and found out that, hey, I could get my own clients through another agency. And me and the girlfriend at the time were, um, she's extremely smart, um, marketing and business. So we kind of formed together and built this agency ourselves. And we went traveling with this agency through Europe. And we came back from Europe and we, I had enough of designing logos and I had enough of designing websites. And we, we had a one-month break in Bali and we were I was sitting at Bali drawing a for a cafe, I was just drawing while I was, uh, before a surf, I was just drawing the cafe owner came over and said that, um, hey, did you want to chuck those drawings up on the uh, menu? Um, I was like, okay, cool. So I did that. And then he's like, did you want to go paint those um, illustrations up on the wall? I was like, okay, cool. And ended up doing this whole brand. And I couldn't believe that you could draw and get paid to do that. Um, because I was blind. Cool. I had no idea you can get paid by doing something you like. I thought you had to um, fall back into a shit job that you're pretty depressed with, but um, <laughs> live um, or kind of work to live. Um, yeah. And I grew up in a tradie town, so I thought you had to be a tradie to surf from four to six after work. Um, yeah. So I kind of, yeah, sitting at this cafe drawing and got my first client and I was like, holy crap, um, I'm going to try to dive in and see if I can draw more um, and get and draw some more scales for, for some other souls out there. And I think I've always had this passion for drawing. I just never knew you could call it a job. That's crazy. So in this, was, were those drawings in the style that you use now? Or was it in a different style? Were you kind of finding your style at the time? Uh, you're always still trying to find my, your style. Like um, I'm still kind of trying to find my style. Um, well, I have my style, but I'm I'm still trying to challenge it. Um, but yeah, the drawings that I was drawing there was a skull on a um, a cowgirl skull on a horse, and um, I hear she she was leading off into a lot of cactuses, and it was a um, the big pink background with um, a soft green. So it was completely, um, completely my style. I think uh, a client after that wasn't my style and I felt down. I, I felt really bad. I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. Um, and it took a lot of no's for me to get to where I am. Um, a lot of saying, I'm not doing that. Or, hey, I, I do scales with soft colours. Um, that's what you're going to get from me. Um, and a lot of sticking to my guns of, um, I think, turning down a lot of projects that I just didn't want to align myself with, uh, being comfortably with my style. Yeah. I know that's one of the big points of contention for up-and-coming artists is adjusting their style for clients to get the work, to get paid, to live that lifestyle that they want to live as a full-time artist. So you've never compromised? Never. I, I did when I first, uh, probably the second client, I compromised. And 
I didn't like it. I hated the design. I went on Pinterest and you saw the same design everywhere. Um, and I hated that. I, I wanted to call myself an artist, um, not a designer, or um, not something that the internet could do. Um, so, and I don't know, I think with the backing of military um, and Billy Blue, I've got this confidence and I like painting scales. I like painting colour. So I kind of have this asshole mentality where, um, hey, you're not going to be, um, if I can't draw what my, my style is, um, then I won't do it. Um, and it's a lot, it seriously is a lot about knowing yourself and the brands that you want to align yourself with, your dream clients, um, who you are. Is the project going to be fun? Then do it. If it's not going to be fun, is it going to pay you a lot of money? And do you need the money? Um, if, if that's a yes, then you do it. Um, but in the long run, saying no to a lot of clients and saying yes to your style, if money really is your goal, you're going to get a lot more money drawing your style than folding into someone else's style. Yeah. It's kind of, what are you going to say, this? No, yeah, that sounds right. That's like a lot of... Um... A lot of our guests that we've had on, they say that as long as they're, you know, being too true to themselves, that's where the success comes. Like they don't have those big stops in between jobs. It just seems to flow. But if they're going, you know, off path and yet you know, they really struggle with creative flow and, yeah. Yeah, definitely. That so paramount. Um, I think the most important thing you can ask yourself being a creative is what defines your success. Um, and is it going to be um it's fine if you say my success is earning ten thousand dollars a month or 100 uh, sitting on a two hundred thousand dollar business it's completely fine to say that's your success um using me as an example my success is waking up and surfing and painting uh, my style and i'm living my success right now and it's slowly building but you really have to define what success is you if it's working from your laptop two hours a day and traveling the world um it's realistic. Every every single success is realistic, but it just takes work and a lot of saying no. I think the most important word you can say in a business is no. Yeah, I love hearing that, especially as a freelance writer, because there's so much pressure to be at the laptop and you know logged on at eight o'clock and just hunting and prospecting and finding new clients and writing stories and finding different angles and. Uh, a little bit of copywriting as well, and it's just so much pressure to be at your laptop from dawn till dusk. And there you know, if you're not, if as you said, that ten thousand dollar a month figure seems to get bandied around on the internet a lot, and you know that seems to be the dream for a lot of people. But that comes with enormous sacrifice. And to be honest, yeah, living on the surf coast, it's really not my thing to be sitting at a laptop all day, especially when the surf's pumping like it was two days ago. So yeah, exactly right. I love hearing Exactly right. Um, you say it, I say it all the time that um, there really is um, – the comparison is what kills us um, as people, and it's, it's just not in the, in the creative world. The comparison kills us. Uh, it's the worst thing that we, we ourselves have invented is comparing ourselves to others. And um, I feel I do it um, not so much anymore. But I used to do it and compare myself to artists that are, um, I see successful that are um, painting 
their whole life spending 20 hours a day painting um, or producing all the time. Um, and I compared myself to them and I'll be sitting at the laptop or sitting at a um, book trying to draw and nothing was coming to mind, nothing was fruiting. I didn't know where oh, – I'm not going to be an artist because I can't fucking even draw. Um, yeah. So I was kind of comparing myself to these artists that are already amazing. Um, and that's when I, when I kind of sat back um, falling into a black hole thinking, hey, I'm never going to be great. Um, I'm not going to be able to sit down for six hours and draw. I can't sit down for um, two weeks straight and paint. I'll go loopy. Um, so I kind of defined my success. And I've been going through that now. Um, I was thinking of moving over to L.A., um, and in the process to move to LA and building the career over in LA. And I know my art will take off over there, but um, do I want to move to LA and become a struggling artist um, and get it, get another job and probably lose focus in the art world because I'll be working so much to support myself as an artist? Or um, do I want to come up with another project um, that I can base and, and combine the three loves and that's, painting, traveling, and art, oh, art, surfing, and traveling. Yeah. Yes. Well, traveling sounds like it's a big part of your philosophy, and I know that um, that point of contention that came up with um, Natalie Martin on episode one as well. She had six years at Rip Curl, and similar type thing, like uh, every day is different for her. She doesn't really keep a regimented schedule. She, she can do bursts of, you know, 12, 14 hours of, of artwork when she's feeling it and when she's not feeling it she does the admin so yeah i think it's a good point to note rather than putting that pressure on yourself to produce every day and bang your head again into all as you said before with you know having a blank blank sheet of paper and nothing coming yeah exactly right there's nothing more important than doing a task that um let your mind well we're all extremely creative our mind is just a sponge that takes in everything that we have and it's hard to squeeze it out. And there's nothing more important than surfing or um, snowboarding or um, going for a run or, or pushing yourself to where your mind is completely at one with that task. Um, because I find after a surf, I get out and that's when I'm at my most creative. That's when all the thoughts are sprouting and they're making sense um, because I've just yeah. thrown myself into a task that I'm um, completely at one with. Yeah. So what does a, what would you say a typical day looks like for you? Like are they all the same or all they're completely all, different? Yeah, they're, um, they're all in the kind of same realm. Um, I wake up every morning and surf for probably around three hours. Um, I get back and um, before I check emails, I draw. Um, and um, I think right after lunch is more um getting into the work of computer work and checking emails and writing down a list of what I need to sketch um for tomorrow it's always um planning for tomorrow and um I only spend probably around 30 minutes on the computer um the rest is drawing um yep. into the night um or painting into the night so it's always the same um probably the same three things always surfing painting drawing um stressing over emails uh, <laughs> and and that's completely it 
Yeah. And has um, what about coronavirus? Has that impacted your business this year or? Yeah, it definitely, it has. Um, the first couple months, um, it, it definitely did. Um, I, yeah. Like I said, I was going to go over to LA, uh, but I couldn't get over there because of COVID. So I kind of uh, made myself think um, what I truly love. Um, and yeah. LA, LA definitely is not, not what I truly love. Um, and then a lot of clients pushed back. So I had a lot of walls lined up and we couldn't get out there um, to paint. So a lot of projects fell off and it was probably around two yeah. months of not, not much work um, at all. Um, it was more thinking and working for yourself. Um, and then probably for the last four months, everything's turned online now. So it's a lot of digital illustrations. And now that we're slowly working back, um, you're getting a lot of stressful emails from clients saying, hey, we need these, we need this now um, kind of stuff. So it's more busier than it has been pre-COVID. Yeah. But yeah, that's good. And you just touched on digital illustration there. Is that something that you had the skills? Is it, was that a quick transition into that? Something you've always done? Yeah, it was a quick transition. Um, I always drew with, um gray leads all the time and then um i got a present as a wacom tablet and you draw on the wacom tablet and it goes onto your computer through adobe illustrator and uh, it was kind of mind-blowing to me um so i'll just be sitting there drawing on this pad um after work all the time and um i started picking it up for myself and you touch you touch on illustration when you um, with Billy Blue. Uh, it wasn't a real passion for mine when I was studying, um, but yeah, it's 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 pretty hard drawing digitally. But now yeah. um, using iPad um, it, and or Wacom with a um, screen, it's extremely easy. It's easier than drawing on a um, piece of paper. Really, so easier. Yeah, a lot easier because if you stuff up, it's just a double tap. It's not ripping your paper out. Um, or um, the lines are a lot easier. Um, or it, it's, Yeah, I find it a lot easier. And you work with layers and instead of scanning your artwork in, you're exporting it. Um, so it's a lot easier for clients too with print. Um, yeah, I have nothing bad to say about digital illustration. I, I absolutely love it. Have you ever accidentally gone the double tap on a big piece and lost it forever? Yeah, there's a couple that um, when you finally export it um, and you're about to send it to the client, you click the wrong um, button, you've deleted everything, you've wiped off all your layers and you think <laughs> far out um, kind, of, kind of way. But um, I think the coolest thing about being an artist is you're an artist, so um a lot of clients expect you to fuck up all, all anyway um and you can kind of get away with anything um so if you just if you're completely honest and it, it, that's what i think to reiterate what we're saying about rip curl patagonia stab employing the people you are um yeah. the most important thing that you're doing is uh, when you're working for yourself is um you've got to be you clients only pay yeah. you because it's you um they pay you for your personality and your brand um, so if you're completely honest and say, hey, um, I just fucked up and deleted everything, um, it's going to take another three days, sorry, 
they just kind of send back an email of laughing. That's it. It's like the old primary school trick where you say the dog ate it or something. Yeah, exactly right. You, you send a photo. You, you make sure, like um, when you have a flat tire, you take a photo of it so you can use it for the rest of the year to your boss. <laughs> yeah, like that. So it's been a massive journey, you know, from playing footy, tech, TAC, cup level, uh, moving into studying counterterrorism, the Navy, uh, coming out, getting a job with Stab Magazine, starting your own agency. When, do you th- feel like you're where you want to be as an illustrator and business owner and entrepreneur? Do you consider yourself an entrepreneur or do you consider yourself a really good artist who uh, gets a lot of attention? You, you do great work. Uh, I don't think I would, um, I would ever say I'm an entrepreneur. Um, I've gone to – so I was invited to Forbes 30 Under 30 in Israel. Um, and in Israel? Yeah, over in Israel. And I would definitely never say I'm, I'm that crowd. Um, they're a different yep. breed. Um, I would say I'm an artist that knows how to brand um, yep. very well. And, it, and the brand is easy because it's just you. Um, I'm very, I'm very well at being vulnerable. Um, as an artist, you have to be vulnerable. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think. That's one of your key, your key strengths. So making yourself vulnerable, being 100% you. Yeah, exactly right. So basically, the person we're listening to right now, that's who you are day to day, seven days a week. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Um, so for an example, um, I had a meeting with VB just before um this and it was a very important meeting there's probably about 20 people um sitting in this meeting and it's very tense when you go into these meetings um there's a lot of nervous souls and um i'll just go on and just say something something out of the usual like the the big boss is called hugh and uh, i think everyone's sitting there on on meeting and i'm the last person to get in there and um, I'd say, Hugh, how the fuck are you going, mate? Or something like that. And just kind of lighten them up. Um, but you kind of reiterate that you're saying um, you're an artist. So they expect you to say that stuff. They they um, they don't look sec- they they don't they don't really mind. Um, if they want the hunter and the character. Yeah, exactly right. If you're if you're being true to yourself and who you are, um, that's when you're going to get the clients. That's when you're going to get the work. Um, because the most important thing you know is, hey, there's a lot of better artists than me out there. There's a lot of better designers than me out there. Um, but I'm going to treat these clients as a friend because they, they haven't had that. They haven't had an artist to, to treat them like a friend. Or um, I'm going to be absolutely stoked that I have this opportunity to work for them, that I'm going to treat them with my respect. Yeah, and yeah I love that. So... I was going to ask you for your number one piece of advice a little bit later in the interview, almost an hour already, which I can't believe. So um, I was going to ask you about inspiration. So well, just getting back to being yourself, yeah, you see a lot of fabrication on social media and especially on Instagram, and you just know that what you're seeing on Instagram is totally different to the way that person would be. So I love that you take that path of being 100% you. And I can see that too in your, your social media posts. There's some colourful language at times and yeah, yeah, that's part. You just got to have fun with it. That's the, I think that's the most important thing. It's, it's, um, it's very hard to be fake. Um, yeah. It takes it – well, it's easy, but it, it, it's very hard on yourself to keep that act up. Um, yeah. 
and it's very time consuming. It's a lot easier to be who you are. And yeah. so I'm not a lucky one. I've worked hard to know who I am and um, I've worked hard to try to find my style and to, yeah. and it's completely vulnerable to be yourself. Um, and at times a lot of people don't like me, um, but at yeah. the end of the day, I'm the one who goes to bed with me and um, I'm the one spending all the time with myself. I have to like myself. Yeah. I think I read something the other week in a book. Um, I can't remember where exactly I read it, but it said that one third of people will dislike you. One third of people will be indifferent. And one third of people will be your best friend. So, and that's pretty true all throughout your life. Definitely. Definitely. I was saying um, to someone last night that if you take a leap and um, completely throw yourself into your passion, there's probably 80% of the people in the world that are going to hate you for it. Yeah, and that's especially in Australia too, like definitely with the talk syndrome and whatnot. You know, it's especially when you're launching something, you know, people get behind you and when, when you find success with that project or that business or whatever, then you can start to lose some of those early supporters. Yeah, definitely. And um, I'm at a, a great point where um, a lot of messages or emails or um, face-to-face contact is a lot of praise. Um, a lot of people saying that I inspire them, which is pretty mind-blowing to me because, um, honestly, I just paint for myself. Um, but you still get those messages of saying you're a hack or... Um, really yeah you you get those messages that uh, people don't like you and um your artworks yeah you go out of their way yeah people go out of their way and say say stuff like they can do it blindfolded or um all this kind of stuff and um that's where you kind of have some days it does get to you but that's kind of where you have your fun um and say all right mate show me how you do it um yeah stuff like that um you get a lot of so I didn't. I never like used to like call myself an artist because a lot of the people in the art world are pretty mean um, to you, and um, I didn't want to group myself with those people. Um, but then I was thinking, you know what? I'm happy calling myself an artist, and that's the only person I need to impress. Yeah. Well, good segue into. Just had a question about dealing with the bad days. Yeah, just what's what's your mindset around coping with those off days or when people send those crazy mean messages? <laughs> yeah, um, well, it's a funny question. Um, with this life, there's hardly any bad days. Um, there, there really isn't. Um, and I think coming from the experiences with uh, military, um, I wake up and I get to surf and I think... Um, I have to pinch myself sometimes that this is my life or I'm getting flown into Mexico to do some mural work. Um, I have to pinch myself. And if you're having a bad day, like um, I'm trying to remember, I had some bad day that I took um, a week off work. I didn't didn't want to touch work um, at all because I I think a lot of things kind of build up. Um, I think the best thing you can do if you're having these bad days is journal um, and write about it. Um, yeah. But you really, if you're a creative or it, let's say a scratch that, 
if you're in your passion and you're working um, that something that truly makes you happy, you have to remember that um, those bad days are growth and um, you have to remember that you're going to have to celebrate writing a, a, the smallest thing, say writing a professional email, you have to celebrate that or um, getting your first invoice ticked off, definitely celebrate that, but celebrate your 10th invoice, celebrate your 50th invoice. Um, you have to celebrate every little aspect of your business because you've taken a fucking huge leap to be who you are. Um, yeah. And the leap is doing what you're doing um, or building on your passion. And if that's even a side hustle, um, be completely thrilled with that. Yeah. yeah. So it's a hard question. Um, what are you doing in your, tough, your hard days? Because um, it is pretty hard to get a tough day. Um, there's tough moments, say, reading a message and um, yeah. it's someone um, that you thought you liked um, saying really mean things about you. Um, but you kind of have this vision of in one year I'm going to be doing this, in five years I'm going to be doing this. Um, one message is not going to mean anything. And it says a lot more about that person than it does about you. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good point. It always, it's always someone projecting their own fear onto you. And they're probably, to be honest, working in a job they don't really like and maybe had some hopes and dreams about who they wanted to be and co- probably didn't quite make it and then they see you and being yeah. successful and being um, ferried around the world on projects with um, big beverage companies and whatnot and hence the hate messages. So yeah, you, I can't believe that. Yeah, you guess I've had, like um, the last ones I've – Last ones I had were um, um, a couple of people from um, the Navy um, that um, yeah. I serve with, and um, they saw because I did a huge four murals down at the Navy base. They saw the murals and um, sent through some messages about those murals. And um, you kind of you kind of think it's funny. Um, what I go into life with is that. Um, I speak, I'm not religious, but I speak of God as um, the creator. So when I'm doing a piece, that's God within me. Or um, when you're doing your passion, you're finding happiness. Um, That's God within you, the creator. Um, I find that those messages are a challenge of something else. Um, That someone else challenging you to see how you react and see if you've grown. Because when I first started um, and I had a bad message, that would affect me for three days. Um, yeah, and I'll be down. But these last messages, it affected me for two minutes, and um, I turned into laughter. Um, so it's more about the God within you challenging you to see if you're growing. And yeah, if you pass that test, there's going to be something else that's bigger for you. And let's use that as an example. Say I had those three messages that um, would have got me down for a couple of days. But it got me down for two minutes. Um, I went out for a surf, came back, and I had an email from VB, um, which was a huge project saying, hey, we need you on the team. This is the budget. Um, So I kind of felt like, hey, I passed that small challenge God was giving me, and he rewarded me with this. Yeah. Yeah, I love that, the the God within you. Yeah. And even not in a religious context, but it's the creator within you. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. Well, I've never stepped foot in a church, um, but um, 
there is there's this God within you when you're creating. Um, there's a, a famous quote um, that I always say is when you when you create and listen, you will be led. And I feel like the listening part is God telling you or leading you of what's next. Um, and that's yeah. completely on you. That's your growth. That um, the most important word you can have when you're working through yourself is after no is having growth. You're always growing every single day. And that comes with challenges. That's a good segue into our next question, which is who inspires you? So this talks about the, the mythical God within you, not in a religious context, but who else inspires you in life, in business, in art? Yeah, there's um, a lot of people that I get my inspiration from. Um, growing up, uh, I think the biggest platform of inspiration for me was Nelson Mandela, um, and that moved me um, in ways that I didn't think it was possible. Uh, more so um, of knowing yourself and building upon that. Um, and then I was inspired through Keith Haring or Andy Warhol um, and even to profound artists as of now, as in um, Steve Harrington or um, Jose Posada, um, where the skulls come from. Um so there's a lot of inspiration within the art world of looking at other artists or even Kentaro Yoshida, an Australian artist. Um, and there's a lot of inspiration you can pull from there. Um, but also I get a lot of insp inspiration from business-minded people and um, say um, Gary Vee or uh, Tim Ferriss. Um, and I think Tim Ferriss was the reason why we started the agency because I found I read the four-hour work week and um, that kind of inspired me saying, hey, I want to work four hours a week and get paid shitloads for it. Um, <laughs> and so I took the steps there and we built the agency upon that. Um, and another one that's really good for branding is um, Seth Godin. Um, yep as brilliant mind for, for marketing and branding, one of the most brilliant minds in the, in the world. Uh, but then I also gather inspiration from um, Alan Watts, which is yeah. a, um, a dude that sounds like he's on mushrooms all the time, but he's, um, he's, he's pretty, he's, it's really good to kind of ground yourself. Very good. He kind of brought Eastern religious thought into the Western world, didn't he? He's one yeah. of the pioneers for that. Yeah, he did. Um, and something that he truly believed in is knowing yourself. Um, yep. And so that's, that's what I think the difference of um, me and a lot of other artists are. I truly do know who I am and I truly do know what I want. And um, Alan Watts really reiterated that, that um, to, 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 to define your success is to know who you are. Um, but I gain a lot of inspiration from mates, um, best mates, um, hardworking mates, or um, the way I see them. Um, if they make me laugh, I, I feel inspired. I want to, I want to make other people laugh. Or um, yeah. the way they surf, hey, I want to surf like that. Um, what's he eating? Um, not through comparison, but healthy comparison of inspiration. Yeah. And do you work, have you ever worked with your brother? Um, 
never worked on a project together. Yeah, never worked on a project together. Um, we've painted together and and drew, yeah. drawn together. Um, I'm not too sure. He I th- he feels a little bit. Um, if I have a client and um, maybe like six months later, the client calls him and says, "Can you do a piece?" He calls me to say that it's all all swell. Um, yeah. So we don't want to step on each other's toes. Um, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we're just getting well, we're over an hour, so we'll start to wrap it up. But um, we just want to know. If I want this to keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we've still got about 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Yeah, yeah, I've played all the day for you. <laughs> I, reckon this, I reckon this is such a good chat. I like, guess just raw and honest. So I want to hear some more, but, yeah, Yeah. as well, you were, Jess. Well, we'll just get this question in. But um, what's your number one piece of advice for listeners and creatives out there who might be trying to turn their you know, side project into a full-time gig or take that leap of faith? Yeah. yeah number one piece of advice for them. Well, I think the uh, best advice you can ever get, the best advice I got um, was that um, to create and listen and you will be led. Um, It's kind of like um, me as a designer, but I really want to be an artist. I'm going to tell every single person that's listening that I'm an artist Um, and I'm going to keep drawing, I'm going to keep painting and putting it out in the world, it's important you put it out in the world. Um, I'm just going to keep creating and just if an opportunity arises, I'm going to listen and, and, and that's the lead coming within. Um, if you are, to say some advice, if you are passionate about something, um, you, you, there is money out there. Um, so I'll get a little bit raw here. Um, we're in a day and age right now that if you like masturbating, and, and you really are thrived on that, you can start an OnlyFans account and get paid a lot of money for that. Uh, <laughs> so that if you have a passion for anything whatsoever that fruits to your mind, we're in a world that you can make a lot of money on that. Um, <laughs> so there's these kind of um, I'm lucky that, hey, I want to surf and I want to paint for the rest of my life. Um my grandpa used to tell me that I was absolute, uh, I'm a dickhead for thinking that way. Um, you're going to be a tradie, that's it. Um, but we're in this world there that I want to draw for the rest of my life. I'm going to draw and put every single piece that I draw on Instagram, on your Pinterest, on your Facebook. Um, even now you can record yourself on TikTok. Um, there's all these platforms that are helping you get your drawings and the thing is, that it's, it's so your side hustle, you have to build it within a blue ocean where meaning that um, if your true passion is painting, um, you have to keep painting until you find your style. As soon as you find your style, you challenge that style and start producing it to put it in the world. Um, you have to think of your Instagram as not a portfolio but a practice field where you put everything that you love doing and you have to paint for yourself. The only person you have to impress is yourself. Put it out on that yeah. um, on the platform and watch the analytics to see how it goes. Um, say, hey, 
um, the crowd that I really want to paint for reacted well when I did this color. Pink is something that um, I never touched before, um, but pink reacts so well to a black line. Um, and it reacted really well with client work and it, um, a lot of people resonate well with the, the color pink. Um, so I, I've, I've started using that to a strength. So it, it really is create and listen, just create and listen. Um, yeah, we're in. It leads into one of our next big questions on the podcast. I, I know you spoke earlier about everyone ha is very creative. So one of our big questions we like to ask is creativity a matter of nature or nurture? So is it something we're born with or is it something that can be nurtured in everyone? It sounds seems pretty obvious what your answer is going to be, but do you want to give us your interpretation? Yeah. Um, I believe every, everyone's creative um, and that defines if, um, the way you walk, the way you dance, the way you talk. Um, there's creativity built in everyone. It's a, a fire within our belly as we're growing up. We're playing with Legos. We're drawing uh, with crayons. Um, we're outside helping dad in, with the farm or something. We're always, we're always creating. Um, it's not until we realise that creating isn't cool that we put that fire out. Um, and that's only just to fit in. We, we close down. Um, and it's not until you later that you have this fire still burning within you, this ash that um, wants to explode. You're fucking creative, so release it. Um, and sadly for a lot of people, um, we don't create until we get the slap in the face. Um, but... I feel everyone's creative with the teas we drink, um, with the clothes we wear. We have to be creative. The, the clothes we wear are the, pe the person we are. Um, I hope. Yeah, it's a good point. Like, if you look at our fashion compared to, say, the Middle East, like, yeah, we dress completely different. Like, that's it's a streak of creativity. Yeah, exactly. Even wearing a suit. Like, where does it? What function does a tie serve? Yeah, exactly right. And it's um, as simple as, um, say, chucking um, your clothes on, looking in the mirror and saying, oh, I look nice today. Um, you've just impressed yourself. Um, you be creative just for yourself. I think that, that's what Define is. Um, when you're creative, you are happy. It's because the God within you is creating and you're making the God happy. I like that as a headline, actually, for the podcast, The God Within You. So we've covered so much. I love that you found inspiration from Tim Ferriss and guys like Alan Watts. I myself found a lot of inspiration from Tim Ferriss about six, seven years ago. started to question the way I was living my life personally, so working yeah. in the city full-time in finance and then deciding that wasn't for me and pursuing passion for photography, which I forgot about and let go of. Start Having studied it in year 11 and year 12 and let go of it completely and then yeah, finding inspiration again from a, a random little book called The Four Hour Workweek. So, <laughs> well, how how beautiful is it that um, we have these books um, that have this wealth of knowledge in front of us, um, and yeah. instead of us, uh, so I think that's the easiest thing with right now with a side hustle or even kind of making that leap with your your passion. Um, 
you don't have to fail all the time to get to where you are. You can read other people's failures and learn from them. Um, and we have wealth with Tim Ferriss writing about that, with Seth Godin writing about that kind of stuff. Um, so I think we're, we're living in a beautiful mind right now that we have this inspiration coming from different pillars. Absolutely. And we're lucky to have that book, actually. Lucky to have read it in the first place. I mean, Tim Ferriss got rejected, I think, by 27 separate publishers. Really? And still kept going, still found a way to get published. So I'd imagine after eight rejections, I'd be like, maybe in three or four, you'd just be like, yes. Maybe this is not going to be published. Yeah. <laughs> but he kept going, thank God. And so many people have drawn a lot of inspiration to that. So we'll keep a link. I think that's um, kind of um, too important um, to reiterate. Tim Ferriss could have easily folded into the publications and, and moulded what they wanted, but he stuck true to what he wanted. Um, and, and look at him now, um, one of the most profound authors in our, in our time, what well, I believe. Yeah. Um, and, and even he, what he's doing now for the world, for um, our generation. Um, if he didn't stay true to himself, we, would, we definitely wouldn't have that. And now one of the most popular podcasts on iTunes as well, which is huge given the number of podcasts. Yeah. So it's been an inspiration for this podcast as well. And I was going to say he got some, um, when you were talking about feedback before from the, the guys in the Navy, he got some feedback in particular from one publisher who said he's basically a clown and he should get a job and, you know, concentrate on an important profession. Yeah. And then the four-hour work week became a New York Times bestseller and the first letter he sent was to one of those publishers saying, thank you very much for your feedback. <laughs> <laughs> you get that. Yeah. This, uh, and others will think it's an asshole mentality, but it's just you. He's just being who he is. Yeah. That's it. Uh, another good Possible subject line for the podcast too, the arsehole mentality. <laughs> the arsehole mentality in a good way. But, uh, Jake, I understand you're busy today, so we'll start trying to wrap things up. Yeah. One of the, a, lot, a lot of our listeners, are, you know, they're side hustlers, hobbyists, uh, freelancers, just trying to make their way. Um, some, you know, might want to go full-time as an artist or a creative. What's your number one piece of advice for those people that are trying to make that transition or thinking about making that transition and they've got a lot of fear and doubt? Yeah. Um, well, the scariest thought of starting a side hustle or um, leaving a well-paid income to do what you are, the scariest thing about that whole process is a thought. Um, so as soon as you squash that, and that comes down to a limit within you that life can't be that good. Um, and we bring it back to, if you remember, um, our mum and dad's coming home and they've promised you with McDonald's um, and everyone's pretty stoked in their household, but um, something happened. The milk was left out and it's completely ruined your night. You're grounded. Um, and it's because there's that big limit where you can't be happy. Um, our egos won't let us be happy. Um, and as soon as you get over that thought that, hey, life can be pretty swell, um, that's when you kind of grow that limit. Um, 
So the advice would be to listen to the fears. It doesn't have to be a huge leap. Um, a side hustle can be 30 minutes of work after work or um, three hours a week. It, it can definitely be that until you're ready to say, fuck it, I'm fully in. Um, I'm going to test these waters and I'm going to drop ship or I'm going to um, test these waters and I'm going to be a copywriter. I'm going to do work for a magazine um, or uh, scratch that. I'm going to write for myself and put it on Medium um, and let's see if people like it or if I like it. How do I like the feeling of my writing getting out in the world? How do I like the feeling of my art on Instagram? Um, and if that resonates well with you, then you've got something there. Um, and if you, if you seriously can't find the right people, um, it's because you're, you're kind of leading into um, a wrong crowd. You're pushing it to the wrong crowd. Um, yeah. Yeah, so it's more about it's not a huge leap to do this stuff. It doesn't have to be a huge leap. It doesn't have to be scary. The whole, the scariest part is the thought of I'm going to leave my job. I'm going to do what I want to do. That's a, that's a really fucking scary thought. Um, and I think as soon as you grow that limit, you can jump in. You can. And, and it's as easy as saying, um, hey, I'm an artist. Hey, I'm Jay Cross. I'm an artist. Or um, stuff like that. You can you tell everyone. It's, it comes down to that. There's this taboo quote of um, fake it till you make it. Um and it's a really split 50-50 of people who hate that quote or people that like that quote, and it's completely how you read it. And I read it as in I'm going to tell every single person I know that I'm an artist, and um, they say, what do you do? I say I'm painting, and it's me dressing like an artist, and like an artist is how I inspire myself. Um, and that's me faking it until I make it. Um and it's really trying to prove to yourself of what you really want to do. It's trying to prove to that limit. You're trying to fuck that limit off and you're trying to prove that you are valuable enough to yourself that you can do what you truly want to do. Again, raw, honest advice. Like, I think it's great. It's not a matter of – it is – I know it's one of the, the big barriers for a lot of people is to start seeing yourself as an artist and creative and just something as simple as that, introducing yourself as Jay Cross artist, that can make a hell of a difference for people. It is. It's really, it's, all you have to do is try to impress yourself. All you have to do is um, tell yourself that this is what you are. Um, I think we all get lost in the world that, hey, does he think I'm an artist or does she think I'm an artist? Like, does she think I'm cool yep. if I say it this way? We get lost in that thought. Um, we have to kind of switch that thought around saying, did I sound good saying that? Do I feel good saying that? Um, yeah. Do I feel awesome that um, I'm getting um, – oh, let's use this for an example for a side hustle, sorry. Um, one of my friends called up and she really wants to go um, – her absolute – she wasn't happy. She really wasn't happy with what she was doing. 
she, um, being a chem, but she wants to design websites. Um, I asked her what her end goal was, and her end goal is that she wants to travel to Sri Lanka, Bali, all these um, places, and work from a laptop for two hours and uh, build websites. Um, and she was really worried that she didn't know she could get money from doing that or um, she could do that kind of stuff. And I told her that um, while you're working and while you're in COVID, why not just slowly reach out to people and say, hey, can I build a website? It's going to take three weeks, but can I build a website for you? Um, and then see if you like that stuff. Um, and then slowly transition from a job you don't like and slowly build a portfolio of works that you can comfortably leave that. If you're, if you're afraid of the leap, you can slowly transition into that leap. Yeah. Rather, rather than that drastic measure of saying, handing in the resignation letter and um, being all excited and then on the first Monday just not knowing what to do. I think it's good advice again. Yeah, just to make a, a great. Some people do and they thrive in jumping in the deep end. Um, yeah. Some people definitely do that. Um, but if the thought is really killing you, it can be a very slow transition. Um, slow meaning celebrate. It's not a leap, it's a walk. Celebrate each step. Yeah. Yeah, I think great advice for the budding artists out there. It's been a massive... Did you have a couple of questions, Jess? You had a question about Justin Bieber. <laughs> we read on your profile that... You're doing a project oh, with Justin yeah. Bieber. Yeah. It probably alludes to the future for Joe Cross. So Definitely. huge story today. I like, can only imagine where you're going to end up in 40, 50 years. I can't wait to see your progression as an artist. And, you know, working for the Navy, sort of a really regimented schedule and long days and lots of training, education, and then this move into artist, artistry and creativity and building your own portfolio and working for all these big brands and then names like Justin Bieber and Angus Stone as well you've done some work for. So yeah. what's the future hold for Jay Cross? Or maybe just tell us a little bit about the Bieber work. Yeah. If you're allowed. Uh, yeah, that was um, completely, again, um, who knew how you get that job. Um, and the Bieber was just we're working on an album um, cover for him um, with new releases. Uh, it got kind of pushed back from COVID, um, so we can't chat too much about it. But um, there's, a, I'd say, Angus Stone was um, probably the grand final feeling when I finished his mural, um, and that was amazing. Um, but I think for the future for Jake Ross is uh, I was stuck in a thought of um, am I really creating art? Um, I knew I was creating cool shit, but was it art? Um, and I was thinking, well, what, was, what does art mean to me and what do I really want to do with it? And I, I, because I'm such a true person to who I am and, and extremely vulnerable with who I am, um, I wanted that to come across in my art. And um, I thought, hey, I'm going to call a couple of people and see if this is going to be um, – something that I can do uh, means that I probably won't be able to work with client work much now, but for the next five years, we'll be doing um, a project where I'll be off traveling for three months in communities that we just don't usually go to that um, national geographic will send photographers out to, but 
um, I want to go there and document everything that I can within these communities and then spend three to four months um, painting and illustrating everything that I documented and releasing books um, of every all these illustrations, releasing canvases and selling it and raising money for the community that I spent month, the, the three months, three to four months in. Um, and we were talking with, um, say, Patagonia to try to start a um, YouTube series with it. Um, I was talking to National Geographic to see if we can do something with them for it. And there's a lot of interest, but we just have to wait until um, we're trying to find a roadblock of COVID. Um, yeah. And it'll be experiences like um, going into Palestine and staying three months in Palestine, documenting everything that I can there. Or it'll be going to Mexico Mexico and uh, working on the farms in the, in the cartel areas um, and documenting everything that I can there. Um, and I, don't, I think the, some days you think maybe I'll wake up in a truck with a bag over my head, but it's something that I can document. It's going to be art to me. Um, yeah. And I think that's the next part for me, trying to challenge what art is for me. I have my style. Yeah. I need to challenge it. Yeah, it's very cool. And what's interesting, again, like you hear about people's future ambitions and plans and all the rest, and it always relates back to monthly income goals and yearly income goals and um, clients and networks and contacts and things like that. That's a totally different path by the sounds. So it's great to hear that. It's very refreshing. Yeah, it's, it's, if you want to make 140000 to $200,000 in a year, it's very realistic, um, extremely realistic. Uh, it's more, I'm doing art because it makes me feel good, but what what can I do with my art that helps the world? Or how can I be even more happier calling myself an artist? Um, what's it truly mean to me? I have to explore that avenue. Yeah, and to, and to document that via some books as well, that's just awesome. So I can't wait to see those books down the track. Yeah, yeah I can't wait to start producing them. I think that'd be sick. I think yeah. it'll be it'll be really cool um, to illustrate these communities, even through Africa, as um, skulls and soft colours. I don't think um, yeah. anyone in the world's doing it just yet. So um, I don't know. I think it, it all comes down to if I'm going to be happy doing this. And um, there's this fire that's really inside me that I need to do this stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that's a theme that comes up over and over again with a lot of our guests is does it sit right with you? You've got to ask that question. If it does, to go for it. If it doesn't, then perhaps do something else. So Yeah, well, the most important thing is you've got to know yourself um, and that's asking hard questions. Yeah. Uh, Jake, very conscious of your time, so. Um, oh, no, so I can sit here all day and talk, I think. I actually do want to continue chatting. <laughs> Such a cool story. But um, perhaps just for our listeners, where, where can we go to continue following your story and keep up to date with everything you're doing? Yeah, I think the best uh, point of contact for me is um, Instagram, um, and that is jakeross.art. And um, there's always that opportunity that if you ever want to um, message me or email me or catch up for a beer um, and chat. I'm always up for that chat. Um, I'm never going to be the dude that says um, or folds into your excuses. I'm always going to be the dude that's pretty realistic with you. Um, 
So you've kind of been warned. If you, if you hit me up and you're <laughs> stepping, stepping on fish outs, you don't know what to do. I'm going to come in with a bit of French French words with you. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I think the best opportunity is um, Instagram is um, probably the best point of contact. Yeah, we can vouch for that. We reached out to you via Instagram and you came straight back to us straight away. And I love that you have your phone number too, your personal phone number on yeah. your website. So. Yeah, well, I'm so cool. yes. um, I, I think something that really stimulates me, something that really excites me are people that um, are ready to take that leap or people that want to dive into their passion. That really excites me um, because I've done it. I know that you can have a living doing what you truly love and there is no better feeling than seeing other people do that as well and finding that let's fuck this limit off and live what life we want to live there is no better feeling than seeing the fire ignite within them yeah it's relevant for the podcast too i mean we ummed and ahed we did season one it was a lot of fun and we haven't made a dollar from the podcast and to be talking about season two you know what do we do do we go forward you know there was those questions and doubts and should we just go get a job full-time job and get back to normal and i don't know work <laughs> Like, you know, not like the rest. So taking a lot of inspiration for the podcast, actually, and the future of the Surf Coast Creators podcast. Yeah, and it's to fall back on the question of who inspires you, um, it's you guys that inspire me. Um, it's, it's people like you guys that inspire me. Um, it's people that jump into their, um, their side hustle or um, someone who's going for a run in the morning and you, you drive past um that inspires me um you can see people taking their leaps through the day yeah we're definitely yeah that's that's awesome like <laughs> if uh yeah if, if we're a part of the inspiration for jay cross then that's it's um incredibly humbling so i'm <laughs> glad to hear bloody hell. <laughs> but yeah you know what you mean by that community and building that community and we're very inspired by all of our guests and the community we're building with the surf coast creators podcast so did you have any final questions, Jess? No, I think that's it for me. Uh, what about you? You've got 100. But... <laughs> Probably. What about uh, I'd love to just go back to our convo about Tim Ferriss and the rest, but <laughs> I understand busy and like, we share a lot of common interests with surfing and all the rest and health and fitness. So, yeah. There are a lot of commonalities too with a lot of our guests as well. So, it's great to hear your story. And so Jake Cross Art on Instagram and dot art. Jake Cross dot art on Instagram. You type in Jake and it comes up anyway. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> and just where can listeners go to follow our story? Uh, just on Instagram, we're surfcoastcreatives. Uh, and then on the website as well, surfcoastcreatives.com. And you'll find um Jake's blog on there, links to his website and Instagram, um, where to follow his story and, yeah, we'll pop down some of the resources that you've said, all those inspiring people and books, we'll put them on there as well. So, yeah. Yeah, a couple of links to Adobe Illustrator and a few other things. So oh. actually one thing we didn't cover, any favourite apps? You talked about journaling, but any favourite apps to, to manage your day? And Yeah, I, uh, I'm a real simple person, so... Um... The only app that I use um, to kind of manage everything is an app called TickTick. 
and it's a um, you pay three dollars a month and um, it's a complete to-do list uh, so it, it links up to your calendars and emails and um, if you get an email saying blah blah kind of thing it, it links straight up there and you, you tick it off through the day so you kind of just go on I go on at night time and have a look what I'm going to be doing tomorrow and um, the following day I tick off everything that I have have, have done yeah. yeah that's a good one tick Sorry. yeah another app that's kind of mind-blowing to me is procreate through the ipad procreate yeah procreate through ipad and it's digital drawing so you don't have to go through adobe illustrator lots of illustrators would be interested in that so personally do a lot of photography but some procreate is a good one too for illustrators so yeah so jake um been an hour and a half it's probably our longest episode so far on the, on the podcast but just really appreciate your time today. such an awesome story and appreciate your raw honesty and 100 you so we appreciate all those things no oh, thank you so much and thank you so much for having me it's um mind-blowing to have a chat with you guys it's um yeah to fall back on it is uh, extremely inspiring and um i'm thrilled you keep going with it yeah appreciate that and i can see a couple of surfboards in the background there so there's not much swell to do, is there? No, not too much. I think I might get out um, at Kilcunda uh, for an afternoon surf. 